Welcome to the Journey of Ruth podcast, where we encourage listeners to love Jesus, study his word, and reach others. I'm your host, Courtney Lohman. I have a question for you. What's the best way you can support a podcast like the one you're listening to right now? Well, number one, share your favorite episode with your friends, family, or on social media. Number two, leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And number three, sign up to be a patron of their show over at patreon.com. This week, we will be having our very first patrons-only Zoom call. So if you would like to be a part of our close-knit community, please head over to patreon.com slash journeyofruth and sign up today for as little as 5 to $10 a month. Last episode, Leanne Reynolds and I reviewed some Advent resources to help you and your family keep Christ as the center of Christmas. You can go to our website, journeyruth.com, where we've created a list of every website and book we discussed along with a few extras we just didn't have time to get to. Be sure to order your resources soon if you have to purchase something so that you have time to get them for Advent, which begins November 28th. My guest today is Simone Lake. Simone is the founder of Deep Roots in Christ Ministry, a pastor's wife, and has taught classes of seminary students. This woman knows her Bible and wants to see every woman do the same. She's going to help break down some big churchy words, if you will, and give us some practical tips on engaging God's word in our everyday lives. Well, I am so blessed to have Simone Lake here with us. Simone, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, you're welcome. I'm excited. Simone and I, Simone and I met at a conference um, that she was speaking at, um, I guess, the summer. And uh, then we started talking about uh, kind of some of the same people that we knew. And I mean, Arizona is a small, you know, state. <laughs> And so if you go to church in Arizona or if you're involved in music or, or any of the same areas, you probably know some of this, the same people. So I said, Simone, I need you to come on the podcast. So thank you for agreeing to be on the podcast today. You are welcome. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I can share a little bit. I'm just my husband and I were both just like simple and, and plain people, as you could see by my a picture that I had up earlier. Um, we love the outdoors and we live in Northern Arizona. So my husband and I, we've been um, married for over 30 years and we live in Northern Arizona where he pastors our church and I come alongside and serve in many capacities. So we do ministry together, but some interesting things about me, I love string instruments. So mm. any string instrument, whether it's uh, my favorites are the mandolin and the cello, but I love the violin, you know, the, the zither, what have you, that just speaks to my heart, especially when they're played in hymns. So I, I'm really excited when our praise and worship team decides to do that. So, um, and um, I like to go to Handel's Messiah. That's a Christmas treat. My yes. hubby and I like to do it every year go down and do Handel's Messiah, but we're just, we love the outdoors, especially this time of year. We've gone out, I don't know how many times on hikes now, just for the change of the leaves. And, um, but we're just, I, I'd say pretty simple and plain. If you were to look at my Facebook post, I describe myself as a sinner saved by the sanctification process of the crucified blood of Jesus Christ, you know, that was shed on the cross. And so, that's pretty much us. <laughs> well, I love that. And you can see even in the fact that that's your Facebook profile, that you have a passion for Jesus and you have a ministry called Deep Roots in Christ. Uh, can you explain the what you do in your ministry and then why you chose that name? Uh, yes. Yeah. So my the gifting that the Lord has given me, I, I'm just a teacher of his word so teaching, training, and equipping and discipling in God's word. And so I do that across the board, whether it's in my church or in my community, in uh, the denomination that our church is in, statewide, nation, and also internationally, we've been able to go on various uh, mission trips and do that. But uh, uh, years ago, when the Lord called my husband, actually, to pastor our church, I was in a season of prayer 
and fasting and just seeking the Lord to find out, okay, what is it that you want for me to do? Uh, what mm -hmm. spiritual giftings do I have now? Um, in my background, um, I have a degree in um, education. So I was a public school teacher for many years and um, I come from a line of teachers. My parents were also teachers as well. So, uh, but at that time, at that season in my life, I was just kind of praying to see what the Lord would have me to do, you know, mm -hmm. as I serve in the church as a pastor's wife and the women's ministry director. And back then I didn't know that's um, what I do now. And so, but what was happening is doors continued to open for me to go and speak at various churches and conferences. And, um, and I just, over a period of time, I just was seeking the Lord in prayer. And um, I came upon a little bit of frustration and disappointment and discouragement because uh, different things that I was seeing out there wasn't lining up with God's word. It wasn't lining up with mm -hmm. the Bible and different things that were under the guise of, um, of uh, Christianity. So I kind of, I coined this phrase of spiritual grief. There was this grieving. And so out of that came um, this uh, speaking ministry called Deep Roots in Christ. And it was, it's based on Jeremiah 17, seven and eight, which is, let me read it for you. It's blessed yes, is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream and um, does not fear when the heat comes and its leaves remain green and it's not anxious in the year of drought and it does not cease from bearing fruit. And so wow. as I was praying the Lord, seeking the Lord out and he just laid this on my heart. And I said, that's where we need to get back to the roots of who God is and Christ. And so, um, my ministry is based on that theme scripture, hmm. you know, helping people to stay rooted in Christ in his word, in his spiritual disciplines, and not all this other stuff that's out there, you know, kind of like that Sunday school song, you know, the wise man builds his house up on a rock, you know, yeah. <laughs> yep. and the foolish man on the sand. And so, um, so that's how it blossomed. And then, as I mentioned before, various women's ministries and, uh, uh, women's events and churches and various people started inviting me to come and, mm. and speak. And I would go and speak. And so then kind of like the, the metaphor of the tree, there are different branches from that ministry where um, different people wanted to be discipled or they wanted to learn more yeah. on, on how to properly study the Bible. They wanted to learn how to defend the faith, which is hermeneutics and apologetics. I know we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. We but are. People were thirsty and wanting to know about how to have strong roots in Christ. And mm. if you study, um, because I have um, the tree, you know, if a tree, the root system, and if there's no water, if there's a drought, the roots will just like stretch out searching for water. And um, so that that's the premise. And, and if you look at um, Psalms 1 and a couple of other verses in the Bible, they're similar to that as well. And so for that, that's how the, the ministry got started. And, um, and then here we are right now. <laughs> you know, as I listen to that Jeremiah verse, I hear that portion that says, um, the tree does not fear mm -hmm. in the season of, of drought. Mm -hmm. And I think about where our world has been in the last few years. And I think about the fear that can so easily like, you know, ensnare us right now. Cause there's, I, I guess if you look at it, if you said, well, you know, what is there to fear? Well, let me, let me list the ways, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. let me list the things that I could fear right now. Um, how does having deep roots in Christ, those deep roots that you're talking about, can we mm -hmm. take that from like a spiritual to like a, a kind of real life application. application? There are so many things that we could fear or feel like you're in a, a time of drought right now. What does that look like to not Absolutely. fear that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, one thing I wanted to do was to validate how God created us. So our feelings are real. Our mm. fear is real. Our emotions and mental state are real, but we can always fall back on his promise. We can always fall back on his word and his scripture. So I'm not mm. saying that 
you'll never be afraid or you'll never be anxious or you'll never be scared to death. I, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is in the midst of our emotions, in the midst of those times, we can go back to, okay, I am shaking here because I'm nervous and afraid over this situation, but I know in the word of God, I can believe and trust in the word of God, in his redemption, in his promise, hmm. in his words. And then we can discipline ourselves through his word to get comfort. And so that's one of the main important reasons to read the Bible and study the Bible, because in those times, you know, oftentimes people pray during times that they are uh, afraid or nervous yeah. or frightened or they, they're unknown. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite ways of prayer is praying scripture because it reminds us of, of, reminds us of God's word. And we can take comfort in God's word that it is true and yes and amen that his word never changes. And we can hold on to those promises. And even after we get done with our prayer, our body still might be shaking or those thoughts might still come to mind. However, we can go back to that and stand yeah. firm. So I, I'm not saying that we're going to be jumping around all giddy and skipping and smiling. <laughs> no, God created us as a human and we're going to have those feelings and they'll mm-hmm. probably come back around, which means, you know, the scripture, take every thought captive when those feelings and thoughts come back around to just remind ourselves, to reassure ourselves, you know, and there's scripture that encourages, there's one that comes to mind about um, why is your soul so downcast? Look upon the Lord, you know, and then there's praise and worship songs for us to um, rely on. And scripture tells us too, when we're down and depressed, sing praises to the Lord, lift up our voice. And of Mm -hmm. course, that is a strategy of spiritual warfare. They did that naturally in real warfare, the Israelites, they would go into battle singing praises. And so those are things that, that we can do that we can take and apply. But I think sometimes um, people will have a wrong understanding and think, okay, I said this scripture two times. Why do I still feel the same? You know, (laughs) but that that's not the end game. The end game is for us to take comfort in his word and Mm. to make sure that his word reigns supreme and not to allow our emotions to rule over us. Yes, we're going to have them, but to know that his word is the final yes Mm -hmm. and amen and take comfort in that and reassurance in that and uh, minister to others with the same thing. Because let's face it, during these times, we find ourselves as wives and mothers and friends and aunties and whatever, we're ministering and encouraging other people, Mm -hmm. even though we might be going through the same thing in our heart and mind, we're encouraging others in the same thing. Yeah. And as we are encouraging others, it's a reminder to us. And Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, encouraging each other in Christ, in his word, you know, the Bible does say when we come together to have a song, a hymn, a spiritual, you know, affirmation to encourage one another in what in Christ, Mm -hmm. you know, we certainly can't encourage each other in this world. (laughs) I don't put a whole lot of trust here. Right, Although right. I live in it at every day and, but, um, but yes, those are, those are ways for um, us to, to take his word and, and go to his word and mm-hmm. um, memorize it and study it and remind ourselves of it. I loved those words. We're going to allow God's word to reign supreme. And I think there, it's really easy to allow other voices in our life to become the louder voices when we're making decisions and when we're, um, you know, trying to regulate our emotions, if you will, during this time. And it can be so easy to allow, um, you know, the news or what's happening in our newsfeed on social media to speak a lot louder than the word of God. And so you're saying if if we allow God's word to reign supreme, then it should be the loudest influence in our mm-hmm. life. And Absolutely. therefore we can believe the truth that we're hearing in God's word mm-hmm. and almost be able to pick apart the untruth of what we're seeing in the world, especially Absolutely. things like you, you must be afraid. You should be afraid. And it's like, but my God says, do not fear. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. So what does that look like to believe what God is saying in scripture and still react well? And I, I love that idea of just, you can respond well if you keep God's God's scripture supreme in your life. I love that. Now you used two big words. And before we get to them, I want to know, 
this is a personal question going there for going okay. here for just a second. <laughs> uh-huh. Did you ever think that you'd be a pastor's wife? I had absolutely no idea. Okay. So, um, my husband and I met at a Christian school and, um, my undergrad was in education and his in Bible. And we've always been, you know, I was, I, um, came to receive the Lord as my savior at a very young age. And so we were always believers and always served in churches, but that's another story for another day. It was just <laughs> amazing how the Lord turned that around and kind of plopped that in our lap. Okay. But I had no idea. No, I yeah. had no idea that God was going to call me to teach his word, show people specifically how to read and study hmm. the Bible. And I think that's a little bit different than just teaching the word, although they can go hand in hand. Yeah. 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 But a little so, bit on what you were saying earlier too, about, yeah. um, one thing I learned in chaplaincy training, so I, I um, was trained in chaplaincy to go help in disaster relief. You know, when your emotions mm. take over, the number one thing is to mediate by cognitive thinking, you know? So mm. if we are helping, you know, in Arizona, fires are rampant. So if we're, yeah. we're going, a team is going there to um, help do um, chaplaincy for disaster relief, you know, the main thing they train us in, their emotions are going to be high. But for us to bring cognitive things to them in order um, for them to help with the healing of this disaster. And so I think about that from a spiritual perspective as well. When our emotions are all over the place, uh, to get our minds back on cognitive thinking, it's in the best way to do that mm-hmm. is through studying scripture and remeeting, you know, remembering what scripture says. And then that helps to mediate the emotions. So mm. Interesting. And I think maybe some people, that's why when there's an emotional moment or whatever, they start, they focus in on what they can control because Mm -hmm. that is, Mm -hmm. you know, something that they can do and not just let their mind spiral. Hey listeners, you know how grateful I am that you guys take time out of your life to listen to the podcast. You all have been so supportive with your messages and encouragement during my sabbatical. Now that we're back, you have a chance to support the podcast financially. Producing the podcast requires paying hosting fees, maintaining recording equipment, and sometimes buying coffee for our guests. Patreon is where you become a contributing member of the podcast family and receive a couple perks. For just $5 a month, you can receive all episodes ad-free. And at $10 a month, you're now a podcast contributor. And not only are you going to get those ad-free episodes, but you're going to get exclusive access to our monthly Journey of Ruth coffee chats, where I get to know you as a listener and you can chat about your life and ideas for the podcast with me. So go check it out today. Just visit patreon.com slash journey of Ruth. Okay. So we're going to those two words that you mentioned earlier, Mm -hmm. uh, hermeneutics mm-hmm. and apologetics. Right. And I told you this on the phone the first time that I heard someone say Christian apologetics. I said, why would I need to apologize <laughs> for my faith? I don't understand what you're about to teach me. Those are two words that if you're around the church, you might hear the pastor like, mm-hmm. you know, throw it out on the on the pulpit. And then you're like, well, I don't know what that meant, but obviously I got something out of the sermon. So can you give us, right, and you have a right. great, simple definition of yes. both of those. So can you <laughs> yes, explain what is well, hermeneutics and what is apologetics? I'll start with apologetics. Okay. And it just comes from a Greek word called apologia. So if you're a word geek, like I am sometimes, <laughs> um, and then, you know, our language, the English language, it comes from you know, the Roman language. And as you know, Mm -hmm. the Bible is written in Hebrew and Greek. So uh, a lot of it comes from that. But basically, apologetics, Christian apologetics, is defending the faith of Christ. And it's a branch of theology, which is studying God, and it's defending um, our faith in Jesus Christ. And Mm -hmm. so then the next question would be, well, why would you have to defend the faith of Christ? You know, can't it just stand on its own? Well, yes, it does stand on its own. But when people have questions, they do not understand what the scriptures are. If nobody has been studying scriptures or in the scriptures or even a believer as Christ, they are wanting to know about your faith. So it's not, defending isn't really like 
a defense, like this overt thing. It's really, you know, explaining um, what our faith is in Christ Jesus to someone who does not know or someone who is unclear or to the extreme if there is heresy. So we see Apostle Paul mm. in the New Testament constantly defending the faith of Christ. We see our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ, defending um, um, who he is. He's the great I am and who God is, you know, Christ being the son of God and son of man. And so it's basically giving a response to Christianity. And okay, so, but you say defending your faith. And when I hear the word defending, mm -hmm. and I think, okay, I need to defend my faith. Immediately, right. it goes to some of the ugliness that we see exactly. in society and in, in culture. Is there a way to defend your faith? and still show the love that God asks us to show? Absolutely. So I'm not a fan of arguing or confrontations. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> so so um, defending the faith of Christ is just taking a stand on mm -hmm. who he is and standing up for who Christ is. And so um, I share this, uh, this simple story that happened when uh, my husband and I, we went to Washington, D.C. to, um, to go to, um, to visit on a vacation. So we were in the Library of Congress, and, um, you know, which was fitting because both of us are like book nerds and we're deep in. <laughs> <laughs> and with his doctorate, I know his doctorate is down there in the vault where all the, um, his, the books are. But mm -hmm. anyway, uh, when we were going up and they were touring around, they had um, statue heads of various people that like surrounded the top of the room. And you could go and you could see different, you could recognize them, you know, like there's George Washington, there was, you know, Buddha, there was different ones. And mm. then I came to a head that looked like Jesus. He was supposed to represent Jesus because they had the different names down there as well. And our tour guide was there. So I happened to say, is that supposed to be Jesus? You know, and she responded and, and I said, oh, that I said, actually, that's incorrect because Jesus is higher than these. He's the son of God and son of man. And it was real interesting because, well, she didn't get offended or anything. She was just kind of listening in, but I took notice. And so um, I corrected what was false there. Mm. You know, Jesus isn't just a man with the boys, you know, hanging out with all these famous teachers and many people around the world consider Jesus to be a noble, honorable teacher, but he is the son of God. Yeah. He is the savior of the world, you know, son of God and son of man. And so um, it takes the Holy spirit will, will help to give understanding to that. But um, so when I'm teaching on apologetics or because that's one of the many curriculums and classes with deep roots in Christ ministries, I am sharing who Christ is and how to defend that against other religions that mm -hmm. don't believe that. And so oftentimes there are, um, you know, two camps, you know, Christianity is based out of grace, 100% grace and mercy on um, given to us through the blood of Jesus Christ. And it's not based on works that we do. And then everything else is based on a work or something that we can achieve. So oftentimes, depending on the individual or the discussion. So when I'm teaching on apologetics, I'm training people how to share with others who Christ is. And oftentimes people will share their testimony, which is good, but um, everyone has a testimony. Everyone can share their experiences, but just basically the facts of Christ, mm. you know, that he was okay. born of a virgin and he came and had a ministry for three years and um, died, rose again, currently sitting on the right-hand side of God, and um, the, the facts of Christianity and who Christ is mm -hmm. and why it's important. Hmm. Okay, so let's move on to hermeneutics. Mm -hmm. What does that word mean? So hermeneutics is another fancy word. <laughs> they are fancy means, words. <laughs> it basically means studying the Bible. It hmm. means the principles of um, exposition or exegesis which means basically expository. You're doing everything you can to study at the great length of what this passage means. So it's not just reading. And so people perhaps maybe in their devotional or quiet time, they might read scripture, but hermeneutics and studying God's word is actually a skill. And I often describe hmm. it as a, um, 
you look at it as a detective. So a lot of people like to watch those detective shows and you are getting down deep in scripture. Um, you know, think of it as deep sea diving. So I'm mixing metaphors here, mm. but you know, deep sea diving. And when I watch those nature shows, you know, you see the dolphins and all the other creatures on top, but when you look at the deep sea divers, that's when you see all those beautiful coral, you know, rocks and all kinds of exquisite fish that don't live yeah. at the top. And so when we are studying God's word, we are going deeper and we're looking at all aspects of it. We're getting our mm. magnifying glass, if you will, and we're getting close and we're interrogating the text and we're looking deeper mm. and we're learning how to study God's word for our edification and our growth. And then also for whoever God puts in our path to teach. So it could be a friend, mm. it could be your parents or your children, or the Lord might give you an audience like he has with me, where you're teaching groups of people how to study God's word. Yeah. It, it's almost like you're saying hermeneutics allows us, um, like you, I liked that deep sea diving idea because you can go whale watching. Mm -hmm. and be amazed at the beauty of what you're seeing in your surroundings and these huge animals, just sheer size of them. But what you're saying is that if you don't get underneath the surface, you're missing a level of beauty that you can only see when you get underneath that surface. And hermeneutics helps us see that beauty. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. And people have to be willing to, to take the time and make the time to do that work. Yeah. You know, if you've ever... Um, you know, gone deep sea diving, or it takes work. I mean, your whole oxygen level changes and you have all True. this equipment and, but it's worth it, mm. you know, to see the, the beauty of what's out there and it's worth it to yeah. study God's word. And, and he, there are 66 books of the Bible. So God's meant for us to know those 66 books. And some people will say, well, I don't know if I want to study or not. And the way I look at it is, you know, Christ, um, on the cross, tore the veil, you know, and it is finished. And that veil is torn. So anyone and everyone who believes in the name of the Lord can go to the Holy of Holies. Yeah. You know, no longer Jesus is our great mediator. And so why not, especially when we live in a country where they say the average home, not just a Christian home, but the average home has six Bibles in it. Hmm. Why are we not studying God's word? Why are we not wanting to delight and learn of mm -hmm. all these 66 books? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think that's one of the things about Christianity that's, that, um, makes it different from other religions is the fact that we do have that direct access to our God. We yes. don't have to go to a temple. We don't have to go to, um, you know, a building whatever that building might be called. We don't have to go to um, a greater power within our religion. We can sit in our bedroom. <laughs> or if you're a mom who's having a hard day, you can sit in the shower <laughs> Absolutely. You know, with that door closed and you can pray to God right there and he will mm -hmm. meet you right where you're at. Yes. Mm -hmm. And now I can hear people listening to this and, and in their mind, they're going, okay, um, I hear you, Simone, but that, that deep, I, I get it. That's really like probably good for me to do probably is a good idea. Kind of like when someone's like, you really should go to the gym. Yeah, I probably should, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and you, Simone, you have taught at the seminary level. Am I correct? I taught at the at Bible institutes and okay. I taught, um, seminary curriculum. Okay. Okay. Uh -huh. So now that, that, you know, this woman, this man is sitting there going, I know it's, I know like that's something I should do. Can you give us a reason why it is important for us to do the apologetics work and the hermeneutics work? Why it's important for us to know? Cause every time I hear you talk or on your blogs, you'll give like a, a thought Mm -hmm. And then it is immediately followed up with biblical background and biblical mm -hmm. history, even world history that supports what you're talking about. Why is it so important to know that and not to just accept what's taught in the pulpit, accept mm -hmm. what we read in our, you know, uh, devotional that day, but to actually 
take the time and dig deeper? Why is it so important? Right. Well, one main reason why it is so important is when I kind of shared a little bit of how the Lord put on my heart, the ministry, there is so much false teaching out there and so much heresy and so many Mm. things that do not line up with God's word. And so it's important for us. It's like, because we serve and worship Jesus Christ as our Lord and savior, wouldn't we want to know him more? Wouldn't Mm. we want to know God more? And so it's important for us to know that. So if something comes through to us, we can have discernment to know if this is right or or if this is not right. And we see that a lot with Apostle Paul in the book of Acts and then the letters that had gone forth. And in his time, you know, historically in that time, and he went on three different four, if you include, including the last one, missionary trips, and his goal was to share Christ and him crucified. And there were all kinds of teachings along the path, you know, from different things such as um, the Gideons, you know, they went and studied more and the Bereans rather is what I'm thinking. The Bereans, they went and studied more to find out more of what the scripture said. And then there were other ones that were saying, oh no, just believing in Christ is not, you still have to go and do these external acts. You still have to go get circumcised. You have to become a Jew first before you can become a Christian and then anything and everything in between. And so how else will we know what the, what the sound teachings of Christ is, unless we are actually reading his word. Now, of course, back then in the book of acts, you know, it wasn't written yet because Paul was in prison, you know, right. (laughs) Writing these things now, but we have that here to read and to study. And of course, scripture tells us, you know, in the, the Psalms and the Proverbs, the Bible gives us the wisdom and guidance of our everyday life. So people are trying to how do I deal with my everyday life? You know, I have this problem. I have that problem. You know, I have issues in the family issues on my job. How do I do? Well, reading God's word Mm. will show you and teach you and train us how to live in a world such as we live in today. In you know, this generation, we look around us and see the world falling apart in so many areas in so many ways, but yet we're still here living. Yeah. How do we live? And well, we do that with God's word, you know, Mm. and teaching and learning. Hey guys, I want to take a minute to tell you about the journey of Ruth inside. Look, the inside look is our newsletter that comes directly to your email box. The first Friday of each month, the inside look includes a short devotional thought, a recap of the month's episodes, a few of our repostables or printables that you might have seen on social media, and insight into episodes coming in the next month. Sometimes I even need questions or feedback from you as the listener. It's in this newsletter that I post those questions and encourage you all to send me your input. If you'd like to receive the inside look in your inbox next month, please go to journeyofruthpodcast.com slash newsletter. Once you're there, you can enter your email and you're all set. I promise we won't spam you just once a month, an email full of encouragement and podcast info written just for you, the Journey of Ruth listener. Go sign up today and don't miss another edition of The Inside Look. I can imagine that probably in anyone's search for a deeper understanding of Christ and his word, we're going to come to points where we're like, okay, I really, I, I'm beyond what I can do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Um, how does discipleship play into becoming a better apologist? Is that the word (laughs) (laughs) apologist? Uh, you talked about how hermeneutics is a skill. Mm -hmm. How does discipleship play into those things? Well, discipleship, I think implies that we are doing you know, more Mm. of a behavior opposed to, you know, hermeneutics is, you know, a a skill that we have, but in discipleship, we are learning how to um, follow after Christ. So Jesus himself, you know, tells us that, you know, believe in him, follow after me, take up your cross. And so discipleship, um, that was one of the last things Jesus gave to his disciples before he ascended. And here he is rising up to heaven to sit on the right-hand side next to God. And and he's giving instruction to his disciples to go um, and make other disciples. Mm -hmm. And so basically it's teaching and training others in self-disciplines 
including, you know, reading and studying the Bible. And I also wanted to, to mention as well, you know, I understand that God has given us lives. You know, we have jobs and families and things to do. And so when I talk about studying God's word, people will have different definitions, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, um, each person is able to study God's word and the Lord will show you as each person prays and how to do it and how to get that in the 24 seven, you know, everybody has 24, um, seven, 24 hours in a day, seven days a week. And based on your job and your learning skills and your schedules and your family, the Lord will show each person how they can do that, how they can accomplish that task. And it's going yeah. to take them going before the Lord. Now, what I do based on my title, you know, I, that's my life. That's what I do. I spend hours doing <laughs> right. that, but that's, everybody doesn't do what I do, Yeah, you know, but there are formats and ways that um, can help a person in their time. And I always say, if if I, you're studying to prepare to teach a lesson or studying to know God's word, that um, may be depending a little bit separate than just spending time with the Lord. And so I'm just a firm believer in getting a variety of ways. Uh, some people are visual learners, so they have all these colored pencils and, and they draw pictures and everything. Other people uh, learn better in an auditory format. So listening to the scriptures over and over. So oftentimes with the women that I disciple and especially young moms that have babies and young ones, and they're struggling to journal or write down like they used to do before they were married or have kids. Yeah. And, and, and I, and I remind them that the goal is that you're spending time with God. You know, there's a variety of formats okay. to get there. So if you have to listen to God's word while you're nursing your baby, or, um, you know, listen to a book of the Bible or a chapter even over and over as you're cleaning house or in your car, being taxi mom or driving your kids <laughs> back and forth, you know, the dads yeah. do this too. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, I think that, that those are ways that we can include and uh, include in our daily times with our Lord. And so, um, sometimes when you say the word study, someone has in this, in their mind that I have to spend five hours and no, that's not what I'm saying. You know, yeah. it means you just want to go deep with the amount of time that you have. Mm -hmm. And one way to do that is, um, through the five W's and the H. So being a former okay. English teacher, those are just, uh, writers rules and five paragraph essay and also reporters rules, you know, the mm -hmm. who, what, when, where, how, and why. And if you just take those uh, five questions, six questions and ask yourself as you are studying scripture, who wrote this? What was happening during this time when this particular book was being written? Mm -hmm. uh, where did it take place? Um, why? Why was the author writing and who was he writing it to? Yeah. And how is it that this applies to me today? Because of course that was written many, many years ago. And, um, you know, uh, currently I'm teaching in the book of Hebrews, uh, our mm. women's Bible study. And so the author is writing to the Hebrew people. So obviously he's going to pull from things that they would know as he's writing this letter. Yeah. And, uh, one of the challenges when we came to chapter five and seven, we're currently on chapter nine now, okay. but, um, who is this mystery man, Melchizedek, you know? Oh, yes. <laughs> It was hard for the class to comprehend the whole Levitical priesthood. Why? Mm. Because we have not lived underneath that. We, yeah. we don't see it, but the audience, they could relate to it. And that's why the author was bringing it up because they could mm. relate to that. And they probably had their ancestors actually went through, you know, were in, and they heard stories. Yeah. Of, of their family. And so it was something tangible that they saw every day that they heard people talk about. Well, we live in a completely different um, environment, but yeah. we also understand who the high priest is, which is Jesus Christ. And so that would be the application for that particular um, chapter in that book. And so as we are reading scripture, it's important to know what's happening then in yeah. the history, because this is true historical accounts. 
And that's another tip to um, tip or something that we do with apologetics is it's just the facts, historical facts that have taken mm. place in history. Okay, what can we learn from that? And how does that apply to us today? Yeah. And yeah. no, we, we don't see Levitical priests walking around in their whole garb, you yeah. know, and we, we're not bringing doves and pigeons to a temple to be sacrificed because oh, my son would, but yeah, well, we are under the new covenant where yeah. Jesus, our, our, um, sacrificial lamb was able mm -hmm. to shed his blood for the remission of sins for, for those, um, you know, for all of mankind and redeem us back to God. So I just love the fact, and this is another thing that's important when you're studying scripture, scripture interprets scripture. So it's called biblical theology, where you see this timeline throughout, yeah. you know, Genesis and, and all the different genre of books of the Bible, this timeline of Christ. And yeah. we see even after Adam and his sin and Eve and her sin, how even then God was about working on a plan. Well, the plan was already, you know, this holy plan was already in existence because we see the Trinity even there, but mm -hmm. he was working hard to redeem mankind. And it's not like he was working hard, you know, he was, it was his plan to redeem mankind back to himself. Yeah. And Jesus fulfilled that on the cross when he said it is finished. Yeah. And we're walking into a season where, um, I think we think that's the beginning of the story where what we are, you know, here we are at the beginning of November and we're about to walk into the Advent season. Yes. And we think that's the beginning of the story. That's where the story began. And the truth is that the story actually began in Genesis. Mm -hmm. And it can be so hard to think of uh, the whole Old Testament because there's so much that happens in there. But as all leading up to this point you mm -hmm. know, in the, in the gospels where you see Jesus born in a manger and mm -hmm. then continue on in the gospels till we see his death on a cross. But, um, that, that one of the most beautiful things that I have ever done is participated in a Bible study where we did take the scriptures from Genesis and it was the full Bible in eight weeks. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> it was a lot. <laughs> and no, we didn't read every word of the Bible. But um, the idea was helping us to see that it is one story from Genesis 1 to the end of Revelation. And it is all one story. And, and that Jesus is is the center of this right mm -hmm. he is and and he's there to redeem us mm -hmm. and that also not only is he at the center of it we're at the center of it like yes. because god created us and he loves us um i that's one reason why i love studying the old testament because i think that it informs the new testament just like you said as you're studying hebrews and you're like oh Maybe I need to go study Leviticus now mm -hmm. <laughs> to understand a little exactly. bit more about these people. You know, <laughs> and that's I, what we're doing in our study. We're going back to the cross references because yes. scripture interprets scripture. But you see how I love Handel's Messiah because you know we're in this huge auditorium singing this operatic music that's nothing but 100% pure scriptures telling us of the fourth. What great promise! What great grace and mercy that we even see in the Old Testament with Adam and Eve, they couldn't redeem themselves. Yeah, They couldn't undo the sin that they did, but through a gracious and merciful God, they were able to be redeemed and through that line. So I loved, you know, we'll have to talk about biblical theology another day because we'll I be know, right? here for hours and hours, <laughs> Courtney. <laughs> you That's get me true. going. <laughs> I know. Have you ever seen the Easter portion of the Messiah? As far as the... There's an East, there's a, the, the Christmas portion and then there's the Easter portion. No, I haven't seen that. Okay. I'm going to so, have to check that out. And yeah. for those that are, are going, Handel's Messiah, I don't know what she's talking about. Yes, you do. It's the one that goes, hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> it's yeah, that that's one. A, <laughs> that's the Christmas music I usually have playing in my house or in the car, you know, because yep. it, it's just, um, it's just a, a beautiful time of celebrating. I have to tell you, that was one of the, we did that because um, I was a teacher as well. I was a high school choir teacher oh, okay. and which was so much fun and interesting when we got around Christmas time, because 
you always, as a public school teacher, always had to balance that line of like cultural Christmas and then like the true reason that we right, celebrate right. Christmas. And um, and so one year I decided I really wanted to introduce my kids to the Messiah. And I was talking to another teacher in the district and she had um, just taken over. She was the choir teacher, but mm-hmm. she just taken over the orchestra class. And mm-hmm. I said, what if we combined our programs and we taught our kids it wasn't the it was not the full messiah Um, we did the hallelujah chorus but Mm -hmm. we did like i don't know two or three other pieces and then we brought in soloists to do Mm -hmm. um some of the solo pieces and um but then to talk about like this work as a purely historical work. But mm-hmm. what are you talking about? You're talking about the birth of Christ, yes. right? We're singing about the birth of Christ. It's just mm-hmm. one of those cool moments where I, as a music teacher, get to introduce my kids to scripture, mm-hmm. but not in a like in your face, um, right, I'm right. preaching at you kind of yeah, way. Yeah. Right. Well, hey, I included it when I taught English. It was our poetry unit because, oh. you know, before we, we had a poetry unit and we would include song because right before a song becomes a song, it's poetry. People yeah, are just writing, writing it out. So I included it there. And I just remember a funny story because my background is um, I can make a joyful noise and I do, but, <laughs> and I love to heal string instruments. So I remember I was sharing with our music director on campus, but you know, John and I were getting ready to go down and he's like, Oh, do you want to take my musical score? Cause they're like 50 bucks, you know, yeah, with the whole, are. you know, you can purchase them. And I was like, well, I couldn't really use it any further. I said, that's okay. I'll just take my Bible. So <laughs> I had like sticky, sticky notes on all the scripture. Cause I know them. And uh-huh. one year we went to the sing-along Messiah where they allow you to sing, yeah. you know, and you sit in different sections. Yeah. So I, everyone has their musical score. I had my Bible, you know. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's so notes, funny. Singing along with them, but. Oh gosh. Yeah, I definitely we need the, my dad was that way. So my mom was a musician and um, all of us played some kind of instrument, my, my oh, instrument. Uh-huh. And my dad said, I play the radio really, really well. <laughs> but. <laughs> He was an appreciator of music uh, because he came to so many of our concerts and, um, mm-hmm. and, you know, obviously we had music in our home. I have the Handel's Messiah sung by the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, which we mm-hmm. listen to every year. It's a very good uh, <laughs> version of that. Um, yeah, definitely, you know, we can see scripture in and around, especially at this season, I think is when we get, we begin to see scripture kind of sneak into pop culture mm-hmm. without it even being out there. Um, I want to know from you, if you want to be obedient to Christ, you, you talk about this, like on your, um, on your websites and if you want to be obedient to Christ, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. And as a follower of Christ, um, how intense is that? And um, what is it? I, I don't even know if we can be that specific because maybe it's like, well, right. how you need to be obedient is different than right. how your neighbor right. needs to be obedient. But what does that look like to be obedient to Christ? Well, first, I want to make clear that there is only one who is perfect, Jesus mm. Christ, who is sitting on the right hand side of the Father and making intercession for us. Praise yeah. you. Thank you, Lord. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> He's the best pray, prayer uh, partner ever. Um, but oftentimes people think that I have to be perfect. And it's like, no, there's only one who's perfect. Mm. And we need to understand as far as obeying Christ, we need to go into it saying we are going to mess up sometimes. Why? Because we're human. Yeah. You know, the fact that we are convicted of it, the fact that we are sorrowful, that we messed up, that we go before the throne as believers in Christ, asking for help to help us better, that shows that we have a desire to follow after him. Hmm. And it's following his word, regardless of what society says or culture says or family, what family says. Sometimes those are hard lessons and hard uh, circumstances to go through to stand on the righteousness of God. Um, I know that Jesus, he says himself, 
that um, if anybody wants to follow me, then you have to deny yourself. That's the first thing. Deny yourself, take up the cross and follow me. So, you know, um, we need to learn what that means in its proper context. It doesn't mean deny yourself of, you know, basic things that we need to survive or walk around carrying a cross all the time. Uh, but it means studying his scripture, knowing his word, applying it to our lives, living it out mm -hmm. on a day-to-day -day basis. And um, we need to be cooperative with God in the sanctification process. Like I mentioned you know, earlier when we come to know Christ as our Lord and Savior, you know, we're, we're go from sinner to saint, um, according to the definitions of the Bible. And then we are in the sanctification process until Jesus comes and we're resurrected. And what so, does that mean? Sanctification for someone sanctification who might not know. means, um, that the Lord well, those that believe in Christ as our Lord and Savior scripture tells us the Holy Spirit comes inside living and guiding. So when Jesus before, so um, backing up a little bit before Jesus was crucified um, and he was, it was around um, resurrection Sunday or what we know as Easter, mm -hmm. Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples and he's for the past um, three years, they've been in ministry together. And Jesus has told them as they've gotten closer and closer to that time frame, I'm going to be leaving you. Yeah. I'm going to be leaving you. And they couldn't comprehend that, but he reassured them. Um, especially if you study in, in, um, I believe it's Matthew 14 where he's talking, um, about they're in the, the, um, upper room and he's praying for them. He's praying to God over his disciples. He's praying for them. And he is saying, um, I'm going to send you something better. The Holy spirit. Yeah. The Holy Spirit's going to come and live inside of us and guide us and lead us and give us wisdom. So even though we are not perfect, we're, we're saved, you know, we're saints, we're not perfect. We're going to mess up. That's our sanctification process. And when the Holy Spirit is, is telling us, um, don't do this, or you need to do that. Mm -hmm. Are we going to obey and follow? Yeah. So that's what I mean by that obeying each time the Holy spirit comes or, um, the, and it might be something as simple as the Lord telling you, okay, you need to go and gently guide this person because they're on a wrong path. And we're like, Ooh, I don't want to do that. Or they might get mad at me or something like that. But you have this strong impression or this burden from the Lord to go do that. Mm -hmm. Or maybe the Holy spirit is telling you, you should not be around that, those group of people or that particular person or do this particular thing, or watch this particular thing on TV, et cetera, et cetera, whatever we are being influenced by society or culture. Yeah. And that's why it's important for us to study God's word, to know the difference between God's holy sanctified word and what is out there in culture and society. And it's surprising how often sometimes people will just accept what society says and have no clue that the Bible says the complete opposite. Yeah. Because they haven't studied to know what the Bible says. They're just going along with the flow, going along with the popular. Mm -hmm. So that's what I would say it looks like as, as um, being obedient in Christ. Mm -hmm. And then no, when we do mess up and we do make a mistake, we can go before the throne of God in mercy and grace and his forgiveness is real. You know, scripture says that he will forgive us as far as the East is to the West. And, yeah. and uh, his throne is huge and humongous that we can go before and ask for mercy. Now we might have to suffer the consequences of that disobedience, you know, but we know that the forgiveness is with God. And, um, so I just think day in and day out, and that takes a constant evaluation of ourselves and we can't go on autopilot and stuff our feelings down and kind of ignore and kind of go on autopilot. Like we're just yeah. living the world, living this life. It's like, no, in your times with the Lord and I often recommend this when you're times of prayer, I use an acronym pray P hmm. starting, meaning praise, starting off by praising God. And then R is for repentance where you're doing hmm. a self-evaluation. God, how have I offended you? What am I doing that I should not be doing? Yeah. And sometimes, I mean, when you ask the Holy spirit that he will show you and, um, and then, you know, a is for asking you know, asking for our needs or asking for help. God, help me. 
not to be weak in this area. I want to follow you. I want to obey you in this particular area. And then why is yielding, just yielding and turning it back over to the Lord, knowing that we can't do it in and of ourselves, mm. but we're giving it back to him and believing through him, he's going to accomplish it. And we might even say, I don't know how you're going to do it, but <laughs> Wait. I'm going to put my trust in you. That's right. That's right. Oh, I like that. So pray. Um, I like that. Praise, mm-hmm. repentance, yes. ask and yield. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really beautiful. I think that's also... I mean, sometimes we do come to, it's funny as we're teaching our kids to pray, mm-hmm. um, you know, we'll do nighttime prayers and mm-hmm. the prayers are, Lord, help us to have a good night, sleep, help us to stay good. Amen. And we're like, okay, first of all, all you did was pray for yourself, <laughs> you know, or remember when we talked about what you needed to ask forgiveness for? Wink, wink, you know, and oh, oh, right. So I like that. I, I like that fact that it kind of gives us like steps in prayer and not to be legalistic, right? Yeah. Not to say, I don't have time to get through all four, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes, or like you can't, it, it's not a good prayer. It's not an acceptable prayer unless you get through all four, but to say when you're sitting down and you're going to ha- enjoy some time and conversation with God, here's four areas and, and I, we see that backed up in um, the Lord's Prayer as well, you know, as far as those different areas. And so we see when God said, when Jesus says, how should you pray? This is how you should pray. It includes those areas as well. So yes. I think that's, yes. that's important to remember. Mm-hmm. Well, yes. <clears throat> one of the things er, in all of this that you've given us, um, we know that um, we're not meant to live life alone. No one is, right? And I think as we are looking to become people who can defend our faith, not just because, well, my mom told me. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, mm-hmm. let's get a little bit deeper into that. Allow scripture to inform scripture. Um, we know that that bringing people around us that it can encourage us, encourage us is so important. So who is it that has helped you along in your spiritual journey? Well, um, by far, it had to be my parents, both my father mm. and my mother. I was blessed to be raised in a Christian home. And actually, through the help of my mother, um, I accepted Christ as my Savior and at a very young age. So um, we were always church attendees, and I would see them. But I would see it also modeled in the home. Hmm. And, uh, and so, um, my mom always had like this open door where she was always ministering, you know, our home was a home where they always entertained people. And my father, actually, he was in the military with his first career. So he retired as a senior master sergeant. And then he went to, to school at a Christian college and got his uh, degree in education. And so it was really neat because when he was going back mid-age, Um, that, uh, you know, our home was a haven for all these college kids. And so I remember when I was young, just growing up and always having a house full of people and I would be in the kitchen, helping my mom cook. And, and then also my grandmothers as well. Hmm. I would say that, that they, but then also in in addition, you know, currently is just, um, other like-minded women of uh, affinity groups that are, um, in the same place that I am in ministry, um, you know, iron sharpening iron. So other pastors, wives or other Bible teachers, um, Mm -hmm. that I have, you know, just a, a core of some sweet friends that, um, they encourage me and I encourage them. And, and so I would say those are, um, would be the groups right there, but definitely my, my parents, they gave me a strong, um, footing and I have fond memories of my grandmothers and, um, one of my grandmothers, I remember as an adult. So in the summer, we would, we would drive back to visit my, um, my extended family. So I wasn't raised around my extended family, you know, cause okay. my dad was in the military, but we would go back and visit on vacation. And I just remember one, my, my father's, um, mother, um, uh, she was a widow at a young age with 10 children. And so there were all these stories that were passed down of her faith in, in God and Christ and how God really got them through. I mean, raising 10 kids in the thirties and forties in Mississippi, no doubt was quite the t- yeah. <laughs> quite wow. a, opportunity for them to magnify the Lord. 
And so, um, so as an adult, I would go back and visit and it was the sweetest thing because she had, you know, tons of grandkids and great grands and great, great grands. And, but I didn't live as close. So she, I remember she, um, she would invite me to come and sleep over at grandma's, you know, so here I am an adult, but I'm all happy that I get to do sleepover at my grandma's. <laughs> And the sweetest thing, I just remember one of the memories that um, she still was in the bed, you know, my, I never knew my grandfather because he passed away before I was born. And in the place where he would have laid, she had her Bible and devotion in journal. So when she'd wake mm. up in the morning, it's like she was practicing. God had become her husbandman, you know, wow. and so um, just great memories like that. And then I remember with my mother's um, mom, my grandmother, Jewel she uh uh going with her and she always served in the church and back then it was real mm. popular you know to wear these gloves and they had this routine and format so she had a would, hat she had to um, have had a hat she right she did uh -huh. she did and she had her <laughs> little um i mean it was and i remember um getting ready for church you know mm. and uh because i would spend my summers there you know okay. sometimes so and i would go back and forth to my different grandmas and and I remember Sunday, we'd all get ready and, and she would say, I got to find my gloves. And so I'd help her find the gloves. And, you know, she was a deaconess. And so she served the church by greeting people and everything and just having those memories. And then my father as well. My father was an usher and my mom as well, just serving, watching them serve, um, just very humble and simple, you know, um, tasks of the church and the community. So I was raised in these wonderful churches with um, stained glass windows, which had the mm. stories of Christ, you know, on, on, on the sides. And if I couldn't yeah. understand what the preacher was saying, I could look at the windows and I could recognize the stories <laughs> there, but um, just seeing my, you know, seeing my father um, serving in that capacity, mm. seeing my mother. So um, I, I thank the Lord. Um, yeah. I'm very grateful for that. So, yeah, that makes sense. You know, um, there are stories of my, my great grandmother always, always having her gloves mm -hmm. so much so that she had a pair of fishing gloves, mm -hmm. which was a pair of Sunday gloves after they got old. And then she cut the finger out so that she could feel the, the tug of the fish on the, oh, on the line. But she still, even when she went fishing, she was wearing her gloves because the lady wears gloves. So oh, and ear bobs too. That was a thing. Ear bobs, ear bobs. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I haven't heard that that term in a long time, but yes. You had to have your earrings and your gloves. But, you know, along with that, I remember her holding the Bible with mm. those gloves. You know, the Bible and God's word was the highest, you know, importance. Yeah. And so I have great fond memories and I'm mm. grateful, you know, Love for, um, I'm grateful for that legacy. And then, you know, I was saved at a young age, but then at the age of 13, around 13 or 14, away at a summer camp, I remember dedicating my life to the Lord. And I didn't know what that meant or what that looked like. I just remember when the different camp leaders were sharing whatever they shared, you know, I just remember repeating the prayers and, and uh -huh. for it being life-changing so much so that we were in cabins with, you know, a group of six to eight girls. And when we had free time, all the girls would run to do all these activities, but I want to stay back and pray because it was so mm. um, huge, this decision. And, yeah. and it was so impactful. And um, mm. but anyway, <laughs> I love it. I, lo I mean that you, you have those, we keep those memories in our heart for a reason, right? Because they are the mm -hmm. things that encourage us. Um, they are the things that I think keep our strength or our faith strong is having that memory. I know for me, I remember very specifically when I accepted Christ. And I think sometimes the reason why God has allowed me to remember that is I will never doubt that moment, mm -hmm. right? Because it is right there. And I remember it very specifically and I was only five, mm -hmm. right? But, mm -hmm. but very specifically, and there are a couple other like life-changing moments, um, where I can remember them and say, this was when something else significant, significant happened with my faith and in my relationship mm -hmm. with God. And, mm -hmm. um, and 
remembering those things, I think mm-hmm. is really important because mm-hmm. that's, I mean, in the Bible, that's the reason Moses wrote down what he did, right? Was so that the Israelites would not forget what God did. Mm-hmm. And so I love hearing those. Those are like your yeah. Ebenezer's, those moments yeah. where you're like, I remember this mm-hmm. and it's so that I won't forget what God has done in right, my life. Right. So I love it. And even then I had no clue I was going to be a Bible teacher and a speaker and yeah. a pastor's wife. I just surrendered open hands to the Lord. Mm. So, <laughs> yep. Because and it, God knew, God knew what you were going to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it doesn't matter if, if we do end up one day being on stage or, or not being on stage. I think um, it's important for us to just remember those moments because those are the moments when God's going to start defining who we are. Mm-hmm. So, well, how can people find more information about you and um, about Deep Roots in Christ Ministries? Um, yes. Well, they can look on social media. I've got a website, uh, Deep Roots in Christ, and then um, Simone Lake website. But I also have a blog. If you um, go there, I'm trying to think what else do I have. A YouTube page. So if you go to Deep Roots in Christ Ministries, you can actually see videos there. Okay. And I have um, Facebook um, my regular Facebook and then, uh, with my ministry, deep roots in Christ. So mm. a couple of websites, um, Facebook sites, <laughs> fabulous YouTube. Uh, I'm on SoundCloud. Also, okay. if you just go to those places and type in deep roots in Christ or Simone Lake, I'm sure I'll come up and I'm on Blogspot. Okay. So you can find me there. So we'll take all of these websites and these links and we'll put them on the show notes. So um, listeners, if you want to find Simone, um, you can head over to the website journeyroot.com, click on um, Simone's website or Simone's episode there, and you will see um, all of these links that you can go and visit her and find out more information. But Simone... Thank you so much for everything that you share with us. You've taken some big words and kind of boiled them down into, uh, you know, terms that we can understand. And I think if anything, you've encouraged us that it is worth the time that we would take, however much it is, 20 minutes, two hours, however much we have to, to dive a little bit deeper. So thank you for your encouragement today. Oh, you're welcome. And God's blessings to you and to everyone out there listening. I pray that you will grow deep roots in Christ. Mm, Thank you so much. Uh What I hear her saying is that studying God's word is possible for all of us, no matter our stage in life. How great is it that we can go and engage with God through his word? And on our own, Simone did want me to mention that when she spoke about Jesus in the upper room, she mentioned the verse being in Matthew 14, but it's actually in John 14. To find show notes for this episode and information about Simone and her ministry, head over to journeyofruth.com. There you will find show notes for all episodes, an opportunity to sign up for the podcast newsletter, links to help support the podcast, and information on getting me to speak at your next event. This week, please come say hi over on Facebook and Instagram, and it would mean so much to me if you would take the time to leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and click subscribe over on YouTube. Thanks for listening, and I will see you next Tuesday right here on the Journey of Ruth podcast.